You are now about to witness the strength of knowledge. This is Steve Dace. Raising a banner of bold colors, no pale pastels. People should not be afraid of their governments. Governments should be afraid of their people. Our rights are inherent and essential. Derived from our maker, that is liberty. And liberty will reign in America. This is Steve Dace. And greetings. Happy Thursday here on Westwood One. I'm Steve Dace. Welcome to the Steve Dace Show podcast, powered by CRTV. And in a few moments, you're going to, speaking of power, you're going to hear a story on this Theology Thursday of real power, of powerful conviction, uh, powerful connection, powerful transformation. You do not want to miss this coming up here in just a few moments, I promise. But I mentioned we are powered by CRTV. Todd and Aaron are here with me. And gentlemen, we just wrapped up conclusion for today's CRTV television show. Let's give the audience a preview of what is coming their way, Todd. Uh, Katie Turr asks a question that pretty much sums up what's wrong with everything. Yes. that that <laughs> I couldn't have said it better myself. Yes, Aaron. Interesting roundtable, CR roundtable. A question that um, I, I wish that we didn't have to a- um, ask or answer, uh, but it's a it's a it's a question that uh, we grappled with nonetheless, and that is: Are there certain non-negotiables when it comes to conservatism? Are there certain facets of our belief system that are non-negotiable? If you do not align with them, then you are not X Y Z part of the part of the uh, ideological group. Um, yeah, we got into that today, and it was an interesting discussion. Hopefully, it's enlightening and uh, beneficial and productive. And I think we need, frankly, have more of these kinds of conversations as a movement. And and, and emphasis on the word conversation. I, I think these are things we ought to feel free to be able to openly discuss and, and talk about as the like-minded if we do it in person and treat each other with the dignity and respect we as conservatives claim to be for. I think our movement needs much more of the kind of conversation you're going to see us have today at CRTV. If you're not yet a subscriber to CRTV, use my name and you can subscribe today. Use my name as a promo code, D-E-A-C-E, and you'll get a discounted annual subscription. It's going to cost you only about 25 cents a day. I think it's like 24 and a half cents, actually. So like a quarter a day is all it will cost you to not just get our show, but the great one, Mark Levin, Michelle Malkin, Stephen Crowder, the whole gang here at CRTV. CRTV.com, promo code DACE, D-E-A-C-E. So we we talk a lot on this show about culture, uh, standing up for what you believe in, and and then that when you do that in the culture, it will come at a cost if you do it well, if you do it effectively, um, if you truly shine a light in the darkness. Uh, it it may not necessarily mean instant riches, helmet stickers, and hosannas. Uh, it, it might mean something else and that it's also really difficult to effectively engage a fallen world if you're not willing to get some of your hands dirty in the process as well. And I thought for this Theology Thursday, it'd be a good opportunity to talk to a couple of gentlemen who are living out and have witnessed exactly the themes 
we just talked about. We've got two guys here with us uh, today. Andrew and Brad are with us. Uh, Andrew and Brad, are you there? Yeah, uh, yes, sir. So I'm Steve Dace. Welcome to the Steve Dace Show podcast on Westwood One. It's a pleasure to have you two with us. If you guys could each just take a second, introduce yourselves so the audience will know which one of you is which when you're talking. Andrew, you first. Uh, yeah, thanks, Steve. Uh, my name's Andrew. Uh, my wife and family moved to Asia in um, 2007, and uh, we work with um, all kinds of different outreaches, everything from orphans to rescuing girls from sex trafficking and many, many other outreaches. And it's an honor to be on your radio sto- uh, station this, this evening or this afternoon. Uh, believe me, uh, based on the ministry work you're doing, brother, the honor is ours for sure. Brad, introduce yourself to our audience. Hi, I'm Brad Hopp, and uh, I'm from uh, Northwest Iowa, and I started a tea company here um, five, six months ago to uh, help out Andrew and to um, be actively engaged in the work that he's doing over there uh, with rescuing the girls and, and being able to make an economic impact in their lives. So so that was my next question, guys. How... How, what does a Northwest Iowa tea company have to do with rescuing young girls from uh, the human trafficking sex slave trade? How to connect the dots there? A world, and that's and your and that rescue mission is happening literally a half a world away. So, connect the dots. How does that happen? Well, um, Andrew, you want to field this one? Sure, I can. Yeah. Well. Um it actually all started uh, when we led a man to the Lord that was running a brothel. Um, he was selling girls, teen girls, uh, pre-teen girls um, into the sex trade and, and selling them to customers. And I had an opportunity to share the gospel with him. And um, the Bible says that the, um, the Apostle Paul said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel, for it's the power of God and the salvation to everyone that believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. And I shared the gospel with him. And he believed on Christ, and he didn't just pray a prayer, but he repented, and he, he, he uh, turned from his sins, and he shut the brothel down, and he set a bunch of girls free. And now he's helping us rescue girls from sex trafficking. But he owns a tea company as well, and um, he actually, through the money that he made running the brothel, he purchased tea trees up in the mountains, um, and then he, he opened a tea processing plant and a tea shop. And so some of the tea, that, or uh, m- much of the tea that we're selling, in Iowa, it comes through that man who was transformed by the power of the gospel. Brad, how did you hear about this incredible story, and and how did you get involved? Well, I go to Pastor Kerry Gordon's church in, in Sioux City, Iowa, and um, uh, we had Andrew at our church here a few years ago, and, and um, so he and I connected via Facebook and stuff uh, when, we, when he went back to Asia, and, and uh he had shown some pictures of some of the bracelets that the girls were making and stuff. And at the time I was delivering fire trucks all over the country. Um, and I was looking for a way to be able to be at home full time with our kids. We homeschool and, and stuff. And so I wanted an opportunity to be able to be at home. And, um, I'm like, you know, that'd be a good, good sideline deal that I could do. And, and as things progressed, uh, it became much more than that as, as, I left the fire truck delivery this, this, uh, January, I started looking at it a lot more seriously and I'm like, you know what? I don't want this just to be Brad hops, little 
key and bracelets. I want this to be something that's really, really going to make an economic impact in the girls, really make an economic impact in what Andrew's doing, and really be able to transform some things here. And so we partnered up. Um, and so what we started doing is bringing the tea and the and the bracelets and the coasters and the coffee and everything that they make. We bring it here into the States and we're buying it from the girls, which gives them economic empowerment so that when they leave Andrew's program, they're able to stand on their own. They have finances that they're able to establish their own homes with. And, um, and then we're able to continue that work and, and be able to, um, send money back into the rescue and rehab house that Andrew run Andrew and his team run and be able to rescue more girls. Um, he'll tell you a story about the uh, brothel owner and what, one of the really neat things about um, our partnership with him is, um, and I don't want to steal Andrew's thunder on that, but um, he, uh, there's just a really neat uh, deal that's happening financially with our funds that are going back there being able to buy another rescue house and stuff so so we're we're gonna we're gonna learn details of how Mm -hmm. you how god uses you to inspire a brothel owner in another hemisphere to repent we're believe me i want our audience to hear this first person account we're gonna hear it in a second but i want to make sure i connect the dots andrew and brad for our audience Mm -hmm. on what the two of you just said first because what you what you guys what Andrew what you've taken part in here is you have been an instrument for a miraculous conversion that that story in and of itself is the stuff of movies but then Brad you are in here adding another layer to this in that you're it's not just that these girls are by the grace of God being set free from this oppression but you're now giving them the tools and the infrastructure necessary for them to be set mm-hmm. permanently free to forget reducing the rate of recidivism. It's not even going to be uh, it's not even going to be a statistic here because they're going to learn mm-hmm. a craft, a skill, a business, a trade, and they're going to be self-sufficient so they don't ever have to be in a place where they can be that vulnerable ever again. That's real culture making stuff, guys. I mean, that's that's one plants another waters. God gives the increase. That's that's kingdom of heaven kind of math there that you guys are pulling off. That's that's astonishing. Mm-hmm. Right. And you're clearly very humble about yeah. it. <laughs> yeah, I'm just I'm just a farm kid from Iowa, so to me it's it's yeah, it's pretty cool to be involved in this. So, Andrew, take us to, how do you even have this conversation with somebody like this? Is this a relationship you've nurtured? Is it a confrontation that just happened? Take us to that moment. Well, actually, Steve, it it actually all started when we moved to Asia. We opened a small restaurant as an outreach to a university, um, and we would help the university students to practice their English, and then they would come and try Western food, hamburgers, steaks, milkshakes, uh, pizza, tacos. And through that, we would share the gospel with them. And we were looking for, um, we're looking for waiters and waitresses to, to help and serve at the restaurant. And uh, one girl came in uh, looking for a job. She filled out the application, and uh, I said, come back on Saturday morning at 9 a.m. 
uh, she showed up at 12 noon, three hours late for the interview. Mm. And in the natural, my thought is, you know, if somebody shows up three hours late, I'm not going to hire them. But on the inside, I believe as Christians, we're led by the Holy Spirit. And I just felt, you know, I really think I need to interview this girl. And I interviewed her, and I really felt like I should hire her. And I hired her, and uh, her best friend came and interviewed and hired her, and they both got saved and um, uh, went through our discipleship program and went through our uh, Bible school. And then we turned the restaurant over to Nationals, and um, the Lord put this human trafficking rescue ministry on those two girls' hearts. And so what came out of just simple, you know, we, we talk about supernatural things, and um, I haven't seen a lot of real supernatural things, you know, where I haven't seen anybody's arms grow out or legs grow out um, or, you know, anybody raised from the dead. Um, I believe God does that. But I've seen things that are very, very supernatural that don't look spectacular, but that God were de- was definitely mm-hmm. in. And just choosing that girl and, and, and having her come when she was three hours, um, three hours late for the interview was supernatural. And through that, um, we got those girls some um, information and some uh, literature uh, from uh, other ministries on how to work with girls and rescue girls from human trafficking and got it translated into the language. And then uh, those girls started going to these brothels and taking gifts that we purchased to the brothel owners and to the girls that were being used and just developing relationships. And one day, um, one of the girls asked the brothel owner, they said, hey, would you like to meet, to meet an American that can speak your language? And he said, hey, I've never even met an American, much less one that can speak my language. I, I spent six years studying the language in the country that we work and live. And so um, he said, sure. And so I went to his tea shop that he had, and I shared the gospel and the power of the Word of God and the power of the Holy Spirit. He was convicted of his sin, and he wanted to be saved and be born again. And so he shut the brothel down, and, um, and he set the girls free and gave them severance pay and bought them bus tickets back to their home villages. And now he's actually helping us with rescue operations in this country. Wow. How long ago, because, you know, we have a diverse audience. Everybody that listens here on Westwood One knows that for um, all three of us here, for myself, Todd, and Aaron, faith is a, our, our Christian faith is the driving component of why we do what we do. But we have people of different religious persuasions, non-religious persuasions that listen in because, A, they just like to get annoyed, or B, we might even entertain them every now and then. And so maybe they, they're, they're listening right now and saying, now, come on now. Okay, so a guy had one change of heart like last week, and 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 yeah, but you, let's go back three, four, five months from now, and and you know maybe we'll see that uh, you know this was uh, this is like you know one of those reality shows where they give you the rose at the end and then they break up the week after the show ends, right? So, how long has the, have you seen Andrew first person this brothel owner's transformation? How how far back is this dating? How long is have you seen him living differently? It's been over three years at this point. Um, three years. He's completely transformed his life. Yes, sir. For three years, and he hasn't like he hasn't like opened up a part time brothel. He hasn't said, "Well, you know, maybe I'll yeah. just pimp out one girl." No, I mean he has made a clean break from living this way. Yes, sir. No, and he the the neat thing about it is because this is illegal in the country that we're working. It's not that it's a legal thing to do there. It's illegal, but he has relationships with all the other brothel owners. It's organized crime. And so he's actually setting up and helping us with rescue operations. Right now we have 19 girls in our rescue rehab home, and he's helping us to set up rescue operations where we go in and rescue the girls. And he'll give us, he gets us pictures of the girls. Uh, He gives us uh, like a, a rough drawing 
a layout of the floor plan of the buildings. And then he even invites the brothel owners because he has friends. He has longtime friends in this business, and he has, he's always doing dinner parties. And he'll have, when we do the rescue operations, which isn't every day, we've, we, like I said, we've got 19 girls, and we've been doing this um, over three years. Um, but uh, he, he will set up a dinner party on the other side of town and invites the brothel owners to dinner. And then while they're having their dinner party, uh, we have a team that goes in and we rescue the girls. And so he's not just, I mean, there's, he's not just, um, he's not just giving up his brothel and his source of income. He's also risking um, his life and, and his safety and his security to rescue more girls. Folks, as you're listening to this and, and you hear stories, you know, um, the story of a monk named Telemachus who walks onto the floor of the Colosseum in the middle of the gladiator games and says, in, in the name of Jesus, stop this. Um, mm-hmm. St. Patrick driving the snakes out of Ireland. Uh, stories of church tradition of, you know, where d- these formerly pagan countries and and over the course of time, not just the individual faith of people has changed, but the way they live corporately as a culture changes. And Odin trees become Christmas trees. Uh, and Esther festivals become Easter celebrations of, of Christ's resurrection. How does this happen? How, what does that look like? A, the kind of cultural transformation Christ talks about in Matthew when he takes his disciples to Caesarea Philippi and, he, and, and they see the sanctuary to the pagan god Pan, known as the Rock, where they conduct orgies and terrible religious rites there. And it's way out of the way of, of the normal path that Jesus takes over the course of the three years, the, go, the, the synoptic gospels that they chronicle. And he makes the point to them that even here, not even the gates of hell, which this, this probably looks and sounds like hell to you right here, will prevail. We're the ultimate urban renewal program. What does that look like? How does that play out? We have all these stories of tradition from ages past, from the church fathers. And if you want to know what it looked like in real time in their time, it looked like what you're listening to right now. This is absolutely incredible, this story. Now, you went to where I wanted to go next, Andrew, because I'm reminded of Paul going to Ephesus. And the pagan religion was so ingrained in the community that it was the basis of their economy. The, the, the worship of the Temple of Diana, Temple of Artemis. And Paul introducing the one true God revealed through his son was going to threaten the financial prosperity of those who were living off of the old economic paradigm based on the, the, uh, the, the pre-established paganism. And his life was threatened there. It sounds like, at the very least, this brothel owner, maybe yourself, you're upsetting the the money train here the gravy train here you're threatening it and it sounds like some you guys are facing similar threats the way that the early apostles faced when they went to communities like this in ages past uh yes sir i mean actually uh, about two years ago uh i got arrested 
Um, and it was actually for my own protection. Um, one of the girls that we had rescued from sex trafficking had gone back um, of her own free will and was living at our rescue rehab home. And uh, the man that had been trafficking her had not only been selling her to customers, but he had been, been with her and had a perverted relationship with her. And she thought, she thought that he loved her. And so she wanted to go back. She had soul ties with him and wanted to go back. And so she, she got enough money together and she bought a bus ticket and traveled across um, the province to another, um, to the other place where she was rescued from and uh, showed up on his doorstep, knocked on the door, and uh, he took her inside and beat her to a pulp and um, then ran her off. Um, And when he did that, he didn't just run her off, but he followed her back um, to find out where she had gone. Hmm. And um, when she, when she, when she left, she didn't have the money or the time. She, she ended up spending a week in the hospital because she was beaten so badly, but she, she was able to get back to uh, one of our Bible schools in that country and where I just happened to be teaching that morning. And um, she, she, pulled herself in there and, and he followed her back. And um, we found favor uh, with someone. I don't even know who it is. It was someone in the government, someone in the police, a Christian in, in, in the police department. I'm not sure who it was, but uh, the man found out where the girl went to. And then he went and got some of his corrupt um, police officials, corrupt um, uh, government officials, and they were going to come and bust our place up. He assumed that that's where the girls were going when they were being rescued. And uh, even though it wasn't, and, uh, Someone in the office, someone in, the, in, the, in that organization found out about it and called some police in another b- police department. And they sent them over and they arrested me for my own safety. And um, the Bible says that we're encamped, about, encamped, encamped around about with favor as a shield. And it was just the favor of God. I mean, I, who knows what would have happened if I'd have been there when the police showed up, um, the corrupt police showed up. Um, uh, they assumed that I was... Um, I, what I assumed was that I was teaching at an illegal underground Bible school and that they had found out about the Bible school. I had no idea that I was being arrested because it had any connection to do with the girls we were rescuing from human trafficking. Well, and if you want to know why, it was it, you have to teach the Bible at an underground illegal Bible school. It's because when the Word of God is rightly divided, when it is properly taught, it convicts us to act and when you see evil the likes of which is going on in this culture it doesn't just become an intellectual proposition to you 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 see this as this is something that must be confronted this this is this is not god's will for his people for his creation this is this is we the captives have to be set free. The blind hear, the deaf see, and the dead are raised to life. This must be confronted. And and that's why they don't want the word of God taught. Because they don't want it to convict either their own conscience, but especially someone whose conscience has been convicted to then act upon it in order to right the wrongs that the culture is saying they are perfectly all right with. Do you have any idea? Guys, how many girls that God has used your operation to set free? Can you even put a number on that? Do you know? Uh, over forty, including if you include the girls that um, that were set free when um, the brothel owner was um, saved, um, and then we've had a few girls. We've had one girl that's gotten married and has a has a baby, and mm-hmm. she's not living in our home anymore. And we've had some other girls that are out on their own. 
Um, so we've got over 40, 40 girls that have been rescued. And this brothel owner now has made such a life change. He's risking his life for the girls that he used to help enslave is what I hear you saying. Is that true? Yes, sir. That's that's incredible. That's absolutely incredible. All right, so now I want to connect the final bit of dots for our audience. I'm a big tea drinker, and I know there's a lot of tea drinkers in the audience. So there's got to be a way me and the other tea, tea, tea drinkers in the audience can help you guys and this cause. How do we connect the dots? How does our audience get involved in this? Brad, is that your department? Yeah, this is my department. So... <clears throat> Um, so I started Teshua Tea Company. It's T-E-S-H-U-A-H Tea Company. And it's, um, we have an online presence. Uh, we're on Facebook. We're on, um, uh, just on the World Wide Web. And then, um, so we have the bracelets, we have the teas, we have the coffee and the coasters from the girls. And then we also have a donate page. So if you purchase teas and do a lot of other stuff, but then you want to donate above and beyond that, we have a donate page that goes direct to Andrew's work with the girls. Uh, it doesn't go through Tissue Tea Company. Um, a interesting side note on on our name Tissue. People go, well, that sounds like Yeshua, the name of Jesus. Well, that's because it's it, it's actually a Hebrew word and it means deliverance. And uh, when I was coming up with the name for the company. I really wanted something that expressed that idea of deliverance, freedom, liberty, but I didn't want something cliche and, and I really wasn't finding anything that I liked. And so I started looking at different languages and uh, typed in deliverance in Hebrew and it came up with Teshua. And Teshua in in Hebrew means deliverance, but then in, in this, this Asian language, it means special tree. And so it just, it, it's encapsulated the entire picture of of our mission, which is to set people free, not only physically, but through the cross of Christ, through that special tree. And so uh, when people purchase products from us, like I said, the purchase the products are being purchased from the girls, so you're economically empowering them, but then you're also... Um, the profits are being split and they're going, um, a majority of them are going back to Andrew and his work. And then a, a part of them are seeing here to obviously help us continue our work here, uh, and be able to run everything and do all that we need to do. Um, so that's how people can help. That's how people can get involved. All right. So when I post this link today of this podcast on our Facebook wall and our Twitter page, which, you know, I don't have the largest audience around, but those two areas combined have well over reach well over 150,000 people. When I post mm-hmm. up the link to this podcast, I'm going to include the link uh, to TeshuaT.com. So uh, folks can mm-hmm. also connect the dots if they are similarly inspired by listening to this and they want to help you guys reach another 40, another 50, another 100 girls and rescue them mm-hmm. from the bondage of human trafficking. Guys, this is an absolutely incredible story. God bless you for the work that you're doing, for the work he's doing through you, and for sharing it with our audience today, okay? Keep us up to date. You know what we should do is have you back in a year or two and just check in every now and then to see what more God is doing through you guys to save more of his children. Thank you. You know, this is this is not, this is just the beginning of what I see this going, and and we can talk about that later, but um, I see this being able to be something that, that impacts nations and not just 
you know, I just, the, the start to where we're at right now, but I see it being able to go further than that. And so, Amen. And Brad, you're it, say and Brad, it already is the nation that this is happening mm-hmm. in. You're pitting uh, earnest and corrupt police officers against each other. You are already having that impact, my friend. It's already happening. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Andrew, thank you for joining us as well. Be safe, Godspeed, and we will definitely have you back in the future, okay? Thank you so much, Steve. We appreciate it. And it's, it's, I uh, just want to say it's all for the glory of God. He's the one that gets the credit. We couldn't have done any of this without him. Amen. Thank you, gentlemen. Teshuat.com is the website. T-E-S-H-U-A-T.com. That conversation. Uh, give us your thoughts as we close it out. Todd, I'll start with you. Well, one of my favorite lines from all of cinema is from Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. And it's asked by a villain to the hero. And it's asked in the form of a taunt. It's time to ask yourself, Dr. Jones, what do you believe? Mm. And uh, we, as Christians in this country, should be taunted by that very question in light of we just heard. Why don't we let the lion out of its cage? Almost ever like this. Why do we triangulate? Why are we pragmatic? What about all our excuses? Why You mentioned it's when the gospel... And that's one thing I, I, I wish I would have, uh, the one thing I'm curious about very specifically when you said we presented the gospel to the brothel, like what, what'd you say specifically, you know, how did you let the lion out of its cage? We, really, let, let's just face it, America, Christian, Christian America hardly ever does that. Hardly ever. We honestly in this country uh, haven't heard the gospel uh, writ large in a very, very uh, long time. It's just, you know, these bits and pieces, and we're desperately trying to connect the dots. Um, you just heard it right there. It has that level of power. The, look, these men, they resemble uh, Moses uh, and Peter uh, in terms of, the, you know, they're almost like humble to the point... That, they, we, 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 you had to prod them to talk and tell their story. You know, mm-hmm. they're, 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 they're just, they're basic guys. They're fishermen. Yeah. A couple of times I had to stop myself. Hey, these aren't politicians where you yeah. tell them how good they are. Stop talking. And they know to pick up the conversation and say, you're right, Steve, we're really good at this and we're really great. Yeah. And we'll take it from here. Yeah. Yes. I had to prod them, but, um, if you're convicted, what, see, let me, because of what Todd just said, because I've been in your shoes. Here's how this works now. You get convicted. I'm, I, I've got to do something more than just sit around the house. And then the enemy will come in. You can't move to another part of the world. You can't risk your life like this. You go, yeah, kids in college, you've got bills, you've got a mortgage. And, and so the enemy will feed you some kind of lie that unless you are being specifically called to do something extra extraordinary like the story we just heard that there's nothing else that you can do so do nothing that if you don't feel like i've got this superhuman supernatural calling um to risk it all like what you just heard from andrew for example that means there's nothing else i can do that's the enemy talking would we risk a promotion at a job would we risk a job would we risk one human relationship would we risk anything for the cause our Lord gave his, risked his own life for us for? Would we risk anything? 
I read today a Jewish gal resigned her position as a columnist. Did you see this story? I did. She's resigned her position as a columnist because her conscience said, I just, I, I'm betraying my own integrity and I won't do that. I don't know if you guys follow the media industry. A lot of us ain't hiring right now. You know, Aaron, and she's about Aaron's age. She, Aaron, how many people that you went to to C school and J school with don't have jobs? <laughs> Um, in fields that they studied in, yeah, uh, there's there's a lot of them who don't have jobs. A lot of people with journalism and communications degrees that don't have jobs. Just a lot of student loan debt to show for it. And this young gal, this young Jewish gal about Aaron's age, resigned her position rather than violate and betray her conscience. How many of us see even something like that? And and don't either buy the lie that God can't use it the way that He's using these guys. You can just tell these are just regular guys. I know Moses was once a prince of Egypt. He literally got called in from, uh, uh, you know, flyover country uh, sheep herder. He was literally called in from that, okay? Peter smelled like fish. Common day laborer. He's the first bishop of the church. So... Don't rule out that you could be called to do something like these guys have done. But you know what? Even if you're not, how about that Jewish gal today who just said, no, I won't, I won't betray my own conscience. I won't betray my integrity. I won't go along with that. How many of us would even just do that? How much different would things be if we just did that? You want to know a dirty little secret about me? One of the reasons why you have not seen me sell out like you have several others in our industry, is not because I'm better than other people or I'm more moral or I'm more righteous. It's the exact opposite. It's my awareness of the fact that I am not. So I do not put myself in a position to do what I know I am capable of. You were there when I was being wooed by Donald Trump. Todd, do you remember how much money they offered me for that gig? Uh, I don't know specifically, but I just know it's a lot. Well, you know why you don't know specifically? Because I don't. I never asked. I knew it was, I was told it would, I, I would get paid well, but I knew right. if I told them, if I found out what the dollar amount was, or they told me to name my dollar amount, boy, the resolve, it's a lot tougher to hold the line at that point. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So, you know what? I don't want to know because I don't want to be tempted at a level that I know I can't say no to. That's why we stay in Iowa. You know how much harder it would be not to assimilate in New York or D.C.? A lot harder. A lot harder. Now we kind of get forgotten about out here. So we kind of get to, as long as we can generate enough listeners and viewers, we kind of get to do our own thing. Apart from a lot of the daily grind of temptation that drives everybody else in most of those other places I just mentioned. When Mike Pence tells you he's got a rule against meeting with women alone that aren't his wife, he's not telling you he's better than you. He's actually telling you the exact opposite, guys. He's telling you he's acknowledging that he's not. He's acknowledging this is a weak, I'm weak in this area, and so therefore I just can't even approach the burner. I won't even approach the stove. I won't, put, I won't I'll touch it. I won't even put my hand over it to see that it's hot. I'm not even going near a stove. There's not a stove in my house because I know I can't walk away from it. So I'm just not putting one there. How many of us would just simply, if we were just willing to say no, 
How extraordinary would that be? And I set the stage early in my career from the local management I had here in Des Moines at WHO. I literally told them this. I will do anything you ask of me to the best of my ability until you ask me to do something that goes against my value system. The answer will be no. And so we won't argue about it. We won't debate it. And understand that if you, if you are... If, if you are forceful that I violate this, you're basically firing me. That's it. That's my only line. Anything short of that, I'll do whatever you ask of me. So I don't even get offers anymore because everybody just assumes the answer is no. Now, I, I'm not confident my answer would always be no. <laughs> I'm human. I'm male. But one of the good things about setting down that boundary is I'm a lot less likely to have to risk finding out. Most of us won't even risk that, though. Will we risk anything for what we believe? Aaron, what are your thoughts on what we just heard? Yeah, there's not a whole lot more I can add uh, than what you and Todd have, have said. Uh, and the answer to the question that you just asked is, um, in this country, uh, it's, it's probably no. At least from a lot of people that say they share our worldview, um, I would like to say it's more, and maybe it is, and maybe uh, maybe we just don't see it. Maybe their stories are not getting told. Um, but you look and you went back, and I think you did the right thing, and and going back to the history of the early church, and just uh, the mindset that you would have had to have been in. Or that you could have been in if it weren't for the Holy Spirit of just living every day. Mm-hmm. And how much you you, ha- you you just risked by existing if you claim the name of Christ. And in this country, we are so insulated from that. Even if there were some sort of risk, we're so rich that the allure of money, the security that our largesse provides us it is difficult to to even go there to even think about the notion of giving up anything because we have been born into everything um the concept of sacrifice and actually carrying that out is sorely lacking and i'm talking about myself first what's the main job of a man steve it's to sacrifice and protect mm-hmm. serve and protect serve yep. and protect well i would say sacrifice and protect mm-hmm. uh, because that's what um that's what christ did for us um and that notion is sorely lacking in our society and that you don't have to go a half world away to do and if god's calling you to do that cool man you you fulfill that calling We'll put your story on this show too and listen to it. But you don't have to go a half world away and risk your life to do that. You can do that right now in your own home and in your own family and in your own community. Right now. The website again, teshuat.com. T-E-S-H-U-A-T. 
S-H-U-A-T-T-E-A, to shuatee.com. want to thank all of you for tuning in here today on Westwood One. Uh, if you get a chance to subscribe or give us a review on either iTunes or Stitcher, we would greatly appreciate it, as we appreciate all of you that have already done so. And let us know what you think about what we think. Steve at stevedace.com is the email address. Like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at Steve Day Show. Until tomorrow, John 317. This is Steve Dace. I like it, you.